0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Simon. I'm a member of the Lombardi Church here, and it's my pleasure to bring uh, God's word to us this morning. Uh, Our passage for today, uh, I think it's going to appear on the screen, Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you or on your phones, uh, is Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. Just give you a moment to get that ready if you are following it in your own places. So you can follow it on the screen. Jesus went down the mountain with them and stood on a level place. I don't know off by heart, sorry. A large crowd of his disciples was there. (laughs) A large number of other people were there too. They came from all over Judea, including Jerusalem. They also came from the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had all come to hear Jesus and to be healed of their sicknesses. People who were troubled by evil spirits were made well. Everyone tried to touch Jesus. Power was coming from him and healing them all. Then Jesus looked at his disciples and he said to them, Blessed are you who are needy. God's kingdom belongs to you. Blessed are you who are hungry now. You will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are sad now. You will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they have nothing to do with you and say bad things about you, and when they treat your name as something evil. They do all this because you are the followers of the Son of Man. Their people treated the prophets the same way long ago. When these things happen to you, be glad and jump for joy, you will receive many blessings in heaven. But how terrible it will be for you who are rich. You have already had your easy life. How terrible for you who are well fed now, you will go hungry. How terrible for you who will laugh now, you will cry and be sad. How terrible for you when everyone says good things about you. Their people treated the false prophets the same way long ago. i going to find the clicker so I can change the slides. Has anyone seen it? We need that at Christmas, don't we? This is the Advent candle lighter. Has anyone seen the clicker? Okay, well, I'll tell you, uh, if that's all right, uh, to, uh, to click on when I need to. So, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 17 to 26. Have you ever played board games or quizzes with people who think they're know-it-alls? Have you ever done that? It's quite irritating, is it? Oh, ha- hang on a minute. Actually, you might be know-it-alls as well. Some of you are thinking, yeah, that's me. I'm the know-it-all. Well, this summer, uh, we were with the family, and we were playing a board game, and yes, the know it all appears, and it was very irritating. We played a game called Name the Thing, beginning with, it's a very, very simple game, and we have to have different categories, like boys' boys names and girls' names, uh, name a tree, name a flower, and then you have to name something in that category, beginning with a particular letter. If you put down the same word as someone else, you get one point, and if you put down something completely unique, you get two points, and needless to say, it gets very competitive. So we thought we'd have a quick go at this game today, so um, I'm going to ask you, please, uh, to name a country beginning with B. Is this, is this on? Is it working? Uh, let's click it on here. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to name a country begin with B. Uh, and if you, I've got a list of five countries that I'm going to put on the screen in a moment. If you think of one that is not on the list, you get two points. Uh, if you think of one that is on the list, I'm afraid you only get one point. This is very exciting, isn't it? This is how exciting it gets in our family. So who's going to suggest a country begin with B? Who? Come on, Mike, give us one. Bikina Faso? Hello, setting the bar <laughs> high. Bikina Faso. Uh, I. Brazil, very good. Nick? Bhutan. Bhutan, okay, fantastic. Well, you all might be thinking of one, and let's see if your country is on the list. Remember, if your country is on the list, you only get one point. If it's not, you get two. So these are the ones that I was thinking of Belgium, Benin, Bolivia, Bangladesh, and Botswana. Hands up if you've got one point, two points. Very good, well done. Well, we were playing this game and I was like, I'm going to be really fancy pants and I'm definitely going to get two points for this one. And I put Bermuda. And then the know-it-all appeared. You know who that was, right? My 12-year-old son, Alex. (laughs) Do you know what he said? You can't have Bermuda. He said to me, that's a parliamentary self-governing overseas territory of the United (laughs) Kingdom. (laughs) Man. And then we Googled it, and that's exactly what it said. <laughs> so beware the know-it-alls. So today, we're not talking about the United Kingdom, but we're talking about the Kingdom of God. Jesus talks about it in this passage. And actually, Jesus talks about the Kingdom of God, otherwise known as the Kingdom of Heaven in some places, all of the time. So it's really, really important. So to begin with, this might be kind of like a, quite a new concept to you. So we're just going to have a very quick think about some of the characteristics of the kingdom of God. Firstly, the kingdom of God is really, really precious. Jesus talks about it in Matthew when he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom of God is really special. It is invaluable. It is precious. And joy floods the man's heart when he comes across it, and he gives up everything so that he can possess it. He knows the surpassing value of the treasure, the surpassing value of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God signifies God's rule and reign. It signifies his action and his sovereign governance. His dynamic and uh, redemptive reign have already come into human history through the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus announcing, announces its coming in Mark when he says, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. But Jesus not only talked about the kingdom, he demonstrated the kingdom too with mighty acts and mighty miracles. Uh, And so the kingdom of God can be experienced, and we see that at the start of our passage today in Luke chapter 6, in verses 18 and 19. It says that those troubled with impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. So the kingdom of God is spoken about by Jesus, but it is also enacted through mighty works and miracles, and it's a present reality in that moment. And I believe that the God who created the universe and who brought the kingdom through Jesus Christ is still free and sovereign and powerful and could do mighty things today. But Jesus also spoke of the kingdom as a present reality and as a future expectation. It can be received now, but it can be entered into. Jesus says, truly I tell you, anyone who will uh, not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. It can be received and entered into. And the kingdom of God has a future perspective. When the son of man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So the kingdom of God is a present reality, but also there's a future expectation. God's kingdom has not yet come into full fullness, and we're waiting for that time when all of creation will be redeemed, all things will be made new, and all things will come under the rule of Jesus Christ. So we're living in this time that many people call the now and the not yet. The time between uh, the world as it was before the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, And the world, that as it will be when Jesus comes, returns, and makes all things new. And so we live in that time of tension. But as we live now, we need to hold on to what Jesus has done. And we need to hold on to what Jesus is going to do. And so there are three things I'd like to focus on as we look at this passage. I'd like to really encourage us today to live in faith, to wait in hope, And give him everything. To live in faith, wait in hope, and give him everything. So firstly, we are to live in faith. Looking at our passage, if you've got it in front of you, Luke chapter 6. We're going to go to verse 20. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. The word blessed here in Greek, which was the, um, the language originally used, uh, is makarios, and it's quite a difficult one to translate back into English. Some people translate it as happy or fortunate or having a deep divine like joy or a sense of congratulation. It's that sense of blessed, happy, joyful are you because yours is the kingdom of God. Or that sense of congratulation, congratulations, yours is the kingdom of God. But who are the blessed in this passage? Jesus talks about the poor, the needy, and the hungry, the weeping, the excluded, and the mocked. People who it seems have absolutely nothing. To offer Jesus on a spiritual or material level. They don't seem to have anything that they can bring to earn their salvation or earn their entry into God's kingdom. And yet Jesus says, You are blessed. The invitation to enter in is extended, and out of that blessing comes a new life as followers of Jesus in the kingdom of God, a life that extends to all eternity. I think this is really, really important. The blessing comes first. And that's because of God's love and God's grace. God's love and grace come first. Simon Gillibeau tells this story. It's the story of a rich man who collected lots of um, expensive and rare works of art, including some Picassos. Uh, his son died in Vietnam as he sought to save another man's life. And months later, there was a knock at the man's door. The person whose life was rescued presented the grieving father with a painting that he'd done of his son. He said, your son was my friend. I loved him too. He spoke so so highly of you as his father. It's not a great painting, but I painted this one day in the jungle and it's for you. The father loved and treasured the painting of his son. And he added it to his collection with all of his expensive and rare pieces of art. A few years later, the father died, and all of his works went to auction. The auction began uh, with the amateur picture of this son. The auctioneer asked for bids, but no one responded. He insisted, the son, the son, who will take the son? And eventually, a frail gentleman put up his hand. It was the deceased father's gardener, and he said, I will offer $10. Nobody else bothered to bid, and the painting was his. The auctioneer laid down his gavel and declared, the auction is over. There was confusion and outrage. What about the real paintings, people cried. And the auctioneer replied, I'm sorry. This was uh, stipulated in the will, that whoever bought the painting of the sun got the entire estate, including all the other paintings. The man who took the sun gets everything. And out of love and grace, God asks again today to you, the Son, the Son, who will take the Son? Because whoever receives the Son gains everything. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent, believe the good news, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Some of you here today might feel like you have absolutely nothing to offer. You might feel like you've got nothing to bring. Let's be honest. You might feel like your life is in a bit of a mess. You might be poor, materially or spiritually. You might not feel like your life is much of a success. You might not feel like your dreams have come true. But Jesus wants to say to you, blessed are you, come into the kingdom of God. You are welcome here. Lest are those on the outskirts, the disadvantaged, the unemployed, the unqualified, the sad, the depressed and the grieving. Those who are suffering, those who are in pain. Those who are made fun of or looked down upon for being my followers. Because yours is the kingdom of God. Come into new life with me where there is joy and love and life in all its fullness. And if you're in that place today... I want to encourage you to live in faith. You have to hold on to that promise when Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of God. Believe in God's promises. Trust in his promises. Respond to and act on his promises. Alistair McGrath uh, talks about faith like this. Our faith is the bond which unites us to Jesus Christ with the resources, privileges, and blessings purchased for us on the cross. Taking hold of the treasures Christ offers us. Love, forgiveness, joy, hope, eternal life. The graciousness of God giving us things we do not deserve, dared not hope for, and could not earn. So I really want to encourage you to keep hold in faith today. And I want you to notice a little detail about the passage that we read this morning. It's not called the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. And it actually starts with Luke telling us that Jesus went down with them. And he stood on the level ground with them. Jesus isn't speaking to his disciples from up high. He's not lecturing them or teaching them from above. But he comes and stands among them says blessed are you for yours is the kingdom Jesus is telling his disciples they're blessed because he is with them he is among them and I want to encourage you today that even in the pain and the suffering of this world and this life you can feel blessed you can find joy and happiness because Jesus is with you you can be joyful because he is with us So there's a present reality, but then also there is a future expectation. And so I want to encourage us today to wait in hope. The kingdom is now, but it's not yet. God's kingdom has come through Jesus Christ, but not yet into all fullness. And we're awaiting that time when all of creation will be redeemed and made new and bring all things under Christ's rule. So we see that in this passage here. Jesus begins by saying the kingdom is yours, but then he goes on to say you will be satisfied, you will laugh, you will claim the great reward that awaits you. So Jesus holds together the present reality with that future expectation. And so we have to live in faith, but we also have to wait in hope. And hope is the freedom to live in the expectation of God fulfilling His promises. So I want to encourage you today. Blessed, joyful are you. Because one day, God himself will make all things new. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. He will cause every pain to cease. He will take away all suffering. You will be satisfied. You will laugh. You will leap for joy. And so I really believe that in amongst your struggles in amongst the rubble and the storms, we trust that blessing can be found and that the light of God's love and life can shine through even in the bleakest and darkest of times. That the kingdom is and will be fully ours and that Jesus is with us. I like Daniel Migliore's, uh definition of hope. He says that hope is living and acting in a way that expresses confidence in God as Lord, not only of the past and the present, but also the future. It is living in the expectation that by God's grace, things can change, confident in the ultimate victory of God. So I want to encourage you to live in faith and wait in hope. And as we do so, I want to encourage us this morning again to give Jesus everything because the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God is precious it's invaluable and in joy we give everything we give everything to receive it Tim Keller uh, told a story by someone called Elizabeth Elliot. And it's about a king who went into his village to greet his subjects. And a beggar, seeing the king amongst his people, sat on a roadside and held up his bowl to the king, sure that the king would give him something really handsome. But instead, the king looked at the beggar and said, give me something. This shocked the beggar and he got pretty grumpy. The the beggar, taken aback, fished out three small grains of rice out the bottom of his bowl and dropped them into the king's hand. At the end of the day, the beggar poured out what he had left uh, and the king put something into his bowl. He was astonished to find three pieces of pure gold in the bottom of his bowl. And he looked up and said, If only I had given him everything. If only I'd given him everything. And I want to encourage you today to give Jesus everything. Because Jesus says in this passage, Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Now, I don't believe that Jesus is against the rich per se, but I think Jesus is warning us that riches can be a threat because it can take the place of loyalty and love and commitment in our hearts to him. I think Jesus is warning us that money and material possessions, the concern of our status and the concern of what we look like in other people's eyes, can really enslave us and it can take away our eternal perspective. And they can start to distort what really matters in life and what really matters in the kingdom of God. Because those things can bring a sense of self-indulgence or self-sufficiency or comfort that can cause a bit of a stumbling block to our spiritual growth and ultimately result, I believe, in an inner emptiness. So I suppose it's that choice. Is it treasures on earth or treasures in heaven? What what will we give our lives to today? Will we give him everything? Because I believe that as followers of Jesus, our purpose is live first and foremost for the glory of God and live for the sake of others and to seek first his kingdom. We're to love him with all that we are and to love others as we have been loved. And we are to give him everything. John Piper writes this, Paradise will not be a hall of mirrors, it will be a display of majesty. When Jesus died to regain the fullness of his glory, he died for our joy. Love is the labor, whatever the cost, of helping people be enthralled with what will satisfy them most, namely Jesus Christ. So today, I simply want to encourage you to live in faith, to wait in hope, and to give him everything. Amen.